This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. My prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, If we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at discoverwbc.com. Glad you connect in with us this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Matt. I'm lead pastor at Westminster Baptist Church. If you're joining us online for the first time, we had to close down our services for uh, the ice uh, that is around us. Our uh, parking lot is like an ice rink right now. So if you're looking to skate, uh, we have the opportunity here at WBC right now. Um, anyways, it's good to have you here. We're going to be looking at Acts chapters 18 through 19. Uh, specifically verses 23 through chapter 19, verse 10. Uh, so you can open your Bibles and join me in that. I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to have some questions for you. So uh, feel free to post in the comments any questions you may have. And some of our pastors and staff members are on with us. And they will either answer and respond or point you to a time where maybe I can uh, respond as well. So uh, let's pray and let's dig into this word. Father, thank you so much for uh, the opportunity to still be able to gather in our homes Um, And to be able to engage your word together as a church, I pray, Father, this time would be a a time of reflection on your word, implementation of your word into our lives, that you would challenge us where we have not applied it. Uh, You'd convict us of things that we have not confessed or worked through or in the process of working through, that your word would um, bring to light that which is dark. God, that you would move in our hearts in a way that transforms us into the light which you've called us to live out. May we uh, be like Apollos in this passage and demonstrate our faith to the city that they may turn and repent and believe in you. Father, we love you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. All right. So I have a few questions for you, uh, and I'm I'm just going to let you guys think on some of these as we go through. My first question is... For you, what do we learn in this passage about correcting people? Uh, so how we correct either brothers and sisters in Christ who have theology that's not exa- exactly accurate, or uh, how do we um, engage teachers who teach us in certain capacities how to uh, instruct in a way that's more biblically accurate and theologically uh, right? And then second, what do you find lacking in your theology? So maybe uh, not, not do you need to go correct someone, but what is it in your theology? We're going to see this in Apollos and in the disciples of John in this passage. What is it in your own life that you're saying, man, I, I just need some clarity. And would you seek that out in someone? So be processing through these questions. And then finally, uh, with the disciples of John, they had an awareness, but they had no faith. They knew about Jesus, but they didn't know Jesus. Do any of you out there this morning feel that way in your own life? Maybe you're like, man, I've been in church. I've been going through the motions. I have maybe even baptized at some point like these disciples had been. But you you knew a lot about the Bible or you knew a lot about church life, but you don't exactly know Jesus. It's not that personal relationship and that experience with him uh, in Jesus Christ. So let's look at uh, Acts chapter 18, verses 23 through 19.10. After spending some time there, he set out, traveling through one place after another in the region of Galatia and Phrygia, and strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Alexandrian, an eloquent man, 
who was competent in the use of scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. And so you'll remember from last week and the weeks before uh, in, this, in the book of Acts that Paul is now traveling around, strengthening up the churches, and he's engaging someone in Ephesus named Apollos. Apollos was apparently a pretty intelligent man and knew a lot about the Word of God, was able to teach about who Jesus was. And in that, we know that he's from Alexandria, which was like a headquarters for intellectual uh, 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 growth and thought life. This is where Clement and Athanasius would come from. This is where we get the Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament. This, this was an epicenter. This is where Philo was at. So, I mean, it's really a thought place. So, Apollos was smart. Uh, he had the intellect, right? And he's teaching well. Okay, so keep walking with me. Verse 25. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. All right, so here's where we see that idea of how to take someone along to the side and correct them in private. Rather than in public, Priscilla and Aquila see something. They want to they point out an Apollos theology and his teaching. They take him to the side. There's some humility in this and how they engage him. Uh, there's that private matter in this. But there's also, don't miss this, they knew the scriptures. Right? If they were able to engage Apollos, they had to know the scriptures. And they hadn't been following Paul very long, which means they were studying the word. They were engaged in understanding uh, not only the Old Testament, but what, what was going on with Jesus fulfilling the prophecy about the Messiah. So they knew all these things to be able to engage in conversation. I think sometimes what we do in, in conflict and when we, I see this so many times online and in different posts, I, I read different things and I'm like, man, this is so inaccurate. Like you've got to do your preparation before you need to be publishing things that are contradicting or opposing a teacher or opposing any, any theology that you might hear. We need to make sure that we've studied it before we engage in conflict resolution. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila had studied their content. They took Apollos privately to the side, engaged him. So this is really good for us on uh, social media platforms to understand how to engage in theological discourse. We engage in person, privately, uh, and this is a helpful way to instruct people. Now you may say, well, I I'm trying to just put out theology. Okay, but what if we really wanna help someone grow? Now, if you just want to get what's on your mind out there, that's one thing. But if you want to help someone grow, which ought to be our aim and our goal in this, it's what Paul wants for us too, right? And, and look at what happens with Apollos. Because they were willing to go through the process of learning, humbling themselves, not saying this in public and saying it in private, look at what happens with Apollos' life. It says... When he wanted to cross over to Achaia, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So he got welcomed in. Uh, uh, after he arrived, he was a great help to those who, who by grace had believed. He helps those who were believers. He strengthens them. Uh, for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. So while Apollos, it says, it says in verse 1 of chapter 19, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul starts traveling. All right, so this is 
this is awesome. Think about, think about what's happening here. Apollos has gone off to uh, teach the word of God and to strengthen disciples while Paul does ministry. And later in 1 Corinthians, we read that Paul writes back to Apollos. I think it's in chapter 16. And he even said, he mentions him, I think in chapter 1 and chapter 3. He mentions that Apollos is doing a great work in strengthening the church in Corinth. And so Paul is admonishing what Apollos is now doing. Uh, you, you see them both kind of hand in hand. Paul's going and preaching and teaching accurately and strengthening the disciples. Apollos is going and strengthening and actively teaching the disciples. And they're both doing the work of the Lord. Paul's commending Apollos what he's doing. But why? Because of Priscilla and Aquila, who have been led to the Lord by Paul previously in the, in the, in the chapter before this. So the work that Paul had done, the hard work, the labor of investing in Priscilla and Aquila, and then Priscilla and Aquila investing in Apollos, and then Apollos going and investing in disciples, that's what discipleship looks like. And that's how the uh, uh, church growth, the strengthening of the church ought to look like. It's not just the multitudes coming to a big, large service, but it's those individuals who have been equipped to being sent out to do the work of the Lord. Like this is the perfect model for what God has for them in this. Okay, so uh, continue with me. While Paulus was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. So he's traveling through like Galatia, South Galatia, probably, possibly North Galatia, most likely South Galatia, because when he writes back uh, the book of Galatians, he's most likely writing to those churches in South Galatia, uh, who he had worked with and engaged in this time. Uh, he went to Ephesus and he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, so now we're going to a different group of people. We just went to Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila worked with them. Now we're going to this group of disciples that are in Ephesus. So in a second, we're going to compare and contrast the difference between Apollos and these disciples. And the reason is, is because I think that's what Paul is doing in the passage. And we want to do uh, exactly what Paul is. We want to understand what Paul is saying to us, written by Luke to us. Okay, so it says, uh, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled to the interior regions. He found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What a question. All right, so I want you to slow down in these moments because we got to understand this passage to be able to ask the questions I'm going to ask to you later, which are going to be really important questions for our theology. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Their response, no, they told him, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Okay, so this is significant. All right, so you have to ask the question, what are you believing in if you have no understanding of who God is? Because if God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, if they're missing the component of who the Holy Spirit is after it has been revealed, so this truth has been revealed in Jesus Christ, then there needs to be a theology that is corrected here. So he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, of course, we would, we would say that the whole purpose of Jesus' salvation is to bring the presence of God back into this world forever, for eternity, that God's presence would dwell with humanity. So if that's the purpose, they're missing out on the entirety of what salvation is. Therefore, in their faith, probably it's lacking a reality of what, what that salvation actually even is so walk slowly with me i'm kind of giving away some answers but anyways uh paul said uh oh sorry uh it says we haven't even heard that there's a holy spirit into what then were you baptized he asked them into john's baptism they replied 
So Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him. That is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. Now, there were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months, arguing and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became hardened and would not believe, slandering the way in front of the crowd, he withdrew from them, taking the disciples and conducted discussions every day in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. That's another significant amount of time that Paul stays here to strengthen the churches because Apollos is going out, Priscilla and Aquila are going out. Like all these people are going to do ministry in their different areas, and Paul is just strengthening churches. And later, going to write back to these churches uh, to strengthen them. So let's look at some things that we gather from this. All right. So we're going to compare Apollos and his baptism with the twelve disciples of John the Baptist. If we, I think we can call them John the Baptist disciples. Um, now, to be fair, we don't know if these are John the Baptist's actual disciples because he was like 25 years before this. This is like 51, the winter of 51 AD to the summer of 52 AD. So that he's, it's unclear whether or not these are actually John's disciples, John the Baptist's disciples. Because uh, remember, John the Baptist is different than the disciple John who followed Jesus Christ and wrote the book John and the three letters in the book uh, Revelation. So these are, this is a different group of people. They were following the baptism of John the Baptist who baptized for repentance. Now we see that in John chapter 1 and in Mark chapter 1 that John baptized for repentance. But Jesus, it says in Mark chapter 1... Jesus baptized, um, would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's a difference there, right? Let's look at the differences between Apollos and the disciples of John. Apollos knew a right thought theology about Jesus. It says they had, that he instructed them in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had this uh, really accurate way of describing the scriptures. In fact, it says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. So he knew this uh, way of the Lord. And it says he, he was being fervent in the spirit. Now, I don't want to. Uh, I don't often disagree uh, with translations. I want to let you kind of understand what's going on here. But zoom in on that uh, that that verse right there, and it says, "In being fervent in the spirit, or in spirit." Now, in the Greek, there is an article there, a definite article. That makes a difference. If there was an indefinite article, it would say a spirit. If there was no article, it could say in spirit. So being fervent in spirit, which would mean uh, like passionate. Like, man, they're really spirited. They have a lot of spirit in them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Y'all aren't here to answer that, but, you know, uh, click a little like button or something if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Uh, So you got the spirit that is in them uh, being like joyful and excited or... If it's a definite article, it means the Spirit. Now, if it means the Spirit, then that means the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's like a, it's a definite uh, uh, person, the personhood of the Holy Spirit, rather than just an abstract thing that they have within them, this passion that is inside of them. So uh, here, here's why that's significant. Apollos had the Holy Spirit before he was baptized. All right, let's, let's pause for a moment. Let's look back at this. Before he's baptized into Christ, by the way. He was baptized in John's baptism. 
It says he's been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. So we, we would most likely assume that when Priscilla and Aquila confront him, they're probably confronting him specifically on that, that he was preaching a baptism that was about repentance rather than a baptism that was about uh, into Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at the difference between that and the disciples. The disciples had a baptism of repentance, but they didn't accurately teach the word of God. So what does that mean? That means that Apollos was what probably understood that Jesus was, was the Messiah who was fulfilling everything that the Old Testament proclaimed would come in the Messiah. That's what Apollos was teaching. The, the disciples of John uh, were awaiting a Messiah. They didn't know that the Messiah had come. They didn't know that the, pro that the, the presence of God would be poured out upon the people. Like, like Joel says they would in the Old Testament. Uh, in Isaiah and Ezekiel. They didn't know that that had come. That had been fulfilled. So they had John's baptism without the Holy Spirit. The difference is Apollos had John's baptism. But had the belief that Jesus had fulfilled all things. He did not have the baptism... Uh, into Jesus Christ, but he had the faith in Jesus Christ. And apparently because he had the faith in Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of all things, he had the Holy Spirit, the presence in him. So I think it, what, what we're concluding from this and what I see in this, and I want you to study this yourselves, but what I see in this is because Apollos had a faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, which was promised in Joel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and fulfilled in, uh, in the Gospels of uh, Jesus Christ, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that promise of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon Apollos because of his faith in Jesus Christ, not because of his baptism. So when you look at the disciples of John, when they are baptized, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. They speak in tongues and they prophesy, which is evidence that the, the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon them. The Spirit is working inside of them. But was the Holy Spirit not in them because they had not been baptized or because they had not had faith that Jesus Christ fulfilled the prophecies? It was because they did not have faith that Jesus Christ was the one who fulfilled all the prophecies and brought salvation, which is forgiveness of sins, freedom in Christ Jesus, and the promised Holy Spirit, the presence of God with them. So because they had faith, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. Not because of the baptism. I think that's important to note. And I think we see it in other passages. Apollos already had the Holy Spirit. When he was baptized, it doesn't note down anything about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon him. When uh, the Philippian jailer in chapter uh, 16. Chapter 16. I think it's chapter 16 of Acts. It might be chapter 17. Uh, either one. I think it's chapter 16 at the end of it. Kind of like right at the end of it. He uh, says uh, that, that the Holy Spirit is, I kind of want to go to it, but anyways, he says he's going to be baptized, him and his whole family. But it doesn't say anything about the Holy Spirit being poured out upon him and the evidences of, uh, of that um, Holy Spirit being poured out in them. I think that's kind of significant because what, what we have to do is we don't take uh, uh, different situations and make them norms. We don't make them uh, just because it was different for the Philippian jailer, different for Apollos, and different for John the Baptist's disciples. We don't make each one of theirs 
uh, and try to bring them together and make one norm. Rather, what we try to do is see, okay, what are the distinctives that are consistent? Okay, what are the distinctives that are consistent? Here's what we see. Faith leads to baptism. Faith leads to pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Baptism doesn't lead to pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Faith leads to pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Faith also leads to baptism. Why does faith lead to baptism? Because baptism is the proclamation that Jesus Christ has transformed your life and that the Holy Spirit is living in you. When those two things happen simultaneously, when faith and baptism happen at the same time, um, that isn't the norm sort of in America right now, but when faith and baptism happen at the same time, then obviously the pouring out of the Holy Spirit happens at the same time, right? Which is why they see the works of the Holy Spirit in their lives coming out. Because all that stuff is taking place at once. That's not what happened with the disciples. When they had faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. In moments, Jesus would say, the Holy Spirit is in you. Remember this, right? But it wasn't in everyone. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive all people's sins so that all people had the opportunity for the Spirit to live in them, not just the disciples. So what is consistent? The consistent thing is this. Uh, in order to be baptized, you have to have, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ is the prerequisite for being baptized. Other, otherwise, it's just a baptism of like repentance or uh, just like John has. It's just a baptism saying, man, I want to be different. Rather than, I believe in the one who has achieved all these things. You see, not all of us stand on a stage and preach a message. But everyone, if they have faith in Jesus Christ, can be baptized, which is preaching and declaring the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So whether you are on a stage or being baptized, it is the same gospel message. I believe, and here's why, let me show you the word of God. That's what preaching essentially is. I believe in this word, I wanna tell you about it so that you might believe and it might transform your life too. That's what baptism is. So you can't be baptized unless you have faith. And now one, one person might point out that you could go back to uh, the Philippine jailer's experience and if you went back to, oh, Philippian Jailer begins at verse 25, chapter 16. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Miss Betty. I appreciate that. Uh, in the Philippian Jailer experience, um, he has faith. He is, and then if you look at in verses 25 and 26, the word of the Lord is spoken to all of them, which means they hear it. And they believe it, which is uh, described in Romans chapter 12, uh, or sorry, chapter 10. At the beginning of Romans chapter 10, it talks about having to hear it. It has to be proclaimed and heard and believed. So if that's true, then most likely we don't need to extrapolate that there might be babies in there that heard it. But rather, it's all people who can actually hear, who can actually place faith, who are then baptized. This is important. This is what makes us Baptist. We believe that it's essential that somebody has faith in Jesus Christ as they're being baptized because it is a declaration to the world that they have heard the word of God, responded to the word of God, and it's transforming their lives because of this uh, gospel message. And this faith in Jesus Christ also has the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that at the moment of baptism, that's going to be poured out, but it could be, because that could be the moment that they're declaring they believe in Jesus Christ. But not in every circumstance is that the same. 
if there were a baptism opportunity when you uh, had faith, declared faith in Jesus Christ or that faith was evoked in you, uh, then I think it's an op awesome opportunity to go ahead and take that moment to be baptized. I think uh, if, if possible, be baptized as soon as you can. But it doesn't mean that between believing in Jesus Christ and being baptized, the Spirit of God isn't in you. The Spirit of God comes into your heart, being poured out into your heart when you have faith in Jesus Christ. Which is why it's so cool to be put uh, uh, that he went through Galatia when he was headed to talk about baptism. Because Galatia is the one that he told in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, that Jesus Christ has achieved through the death, uh, uh, through his death and resurrection, he's achieved the promised Holy Spirit being poured out into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And it's by faith, not by the works, not by any works. There's nothing we can do. It's solely by faith. So... For all of us, we have to respond. We, we have the responsibility to respond to this in some way. And I hope that this morning, even on live stream, and maybe just sitting in your, in, in, at your house or wherever you are, you will respond in some way. Maybe you need to rethink your uh, theology. Maybe you need to rethink your uh, uh, um, baptism. Maybe you were baptized as an infant and you never had the opportunity to say, no, 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 I believe. Like, I believe in Jesus to the world. And you want that opportunity. I think that's totally appropriate to say, man, I believe in Jesus Christ. And this is what people who believe in Jesus Christ do. We are baptized when we believe in Jesus Christ. Um, just like, hey, look, just like the disciples of John, it's okay. It's okay to say, man, look, I didn't think right about this. I've been sitting in church my whole life, and I never recognized that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and that that really forgives me of all the weight of what I've done previous to that, of all the guilt and the shame that I had upon me. I've been forgiven of all that. It's okay to say, look, I've, I've been sitting in chairs and doing the, the part, but I've never believed in Jesus Christ. It's okay to say, man, I, I was baptized as an infant or, 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 or someone else uh, had me baptized and I had no choice in that. It's okay to come and say, look, I, I see what the scripture says. And the scripture says that when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you get baptized to declare to the world that you believe. That's okay. It's what Apollos did. He had to shift up his ways. Uh, it's what uh, the disciples of John did. They had to shift their ways. And once they heard the truth, they're like, yeah, yeah let's get baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit's poured out upon them because they have faith in this Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of the prophecy. So um, just three quick notes. Baptism, baptism isn't always at, sal at the salvation moment. So the Holy Spirit can be poured out upon you before your baptism takes place. Baptism, baptism isn't always associated with the experience of the Holy Spirit. Not in every single spot in Acts do we see that. So we don't make it, need to make it normative for everyone. Um, the Holy Spirit could have been in your life before the baptism moment. And uh, baptism is always for believers. I think that's three things we see from Apollos, the Philippian jailer, and the disciples of John the Baptist. Those three things. Baptism isn't... Oh, I thought it was going to be on the screen. Sorry. Baptism isn't always uh, at salvation moment. Baptism isn't always associated with experiences of the Holy Spirit. And baptism isn't always for believers. So my go gospel response for you is this. How are you correcting people? 
whether they be teachers, preachers, Sunday school leaders, group leaders, or brothers and sisters in Christ that are just around you, how are you correcting them? It's not enough for us to just post out on Facebook or send out a text to somebody who's not even that person, right? It's not enough for us to uh, avoid conflict. Rather, we need to engage because you never know the next Apollos you're going to raise up by just having a conversation, a healthy conversation, a humble conversation that is well-informed. You see, that, that doesn't have to be an oxymoron. You can be humble and smart, right? You can do your work and study and prepare, but then humbly come to someone and ask right questions to help them think through and process. Every time I believe that every time we go to a conversation with a brother or sister in Christ, we must have the Word of God with us. Like, there's no other way to have conflict other than to say, hey, let's just open up the Word and see what the Word says about this, right? So, are you, uh, how are you correcting people? What do you find lacking in your own theology? Maybe like Apollos or uh, John the Baptist's disciples, maybe you're just missing something. Apollos didn't quite understand that there was uh, this baptism that, uh, in Jesus Christ that was a little different. He understood the theology, but not the practice, and that's okay. When we have right theology, but we miss the practice a little bit, we just got to shift the practice up. That doesn't mean that we're not saved by the grace of God. We just need to change action because it's never our action that saved us in the first place. But the John the Baptist disciples, they had wrong theology and wrong practice, right? So he has to correct both. All right, so what in your theology is, is lacking? What do you need to correct in that theology? Um, do you know, the third question I have for you is, do you know Jesus or do you know about Jesus? Right? The difference being you've heard about Jesus or Jesus is in you. Through the Holy Spirit, he lives in you. Right? There's a big difference between those two things. If you never process through that, uh, call me, email me, Facebook message us, post in the comments here. We'd love to talk to you about that. There's pastors waiting to respond to you right now. And then finally, have you been baptized? I, I mean, Philippian jailer Apollos, uh, the disciples of John the Baptist, right here, giving you a perfect picture of what it looks like to, to live out your faith in faithfulness. Uh, in Romans 1, it would say the obedience of faith. Uh, Jesus would be baptized for the remission of sins, but yet he wasn't a sinner. He did it for obedience sake because it's what the Father had called him to do. So you too, maybe you feel like, man, I've been a believer for a long time. I've been in church for a long time. There's no reason for me to be baptized. Jesus was baptized. Apollos was baptized. The disciples of John were baptized. They have shown us uh, the way. Maybe we follow that way of obedience. Not for our faith. Not for salvation. Uh, but as a declaration of the salvation that has been achieved in us by Christ Jesus. So I'm going to pray for you and close. Uh, I hope that you have a wonderful day. Uh, again, sorry we couldn't gather together. Uh, had to make a tough call, but glad we did. Uh, we'd be playing bumper cars out here, and uh, it'd be uh, rough. So um, glad that you stayed home, and we got to dig into the Word together. We love you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Email us if you need anything, have any prayer requests. We'd love to be praying for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to engage your word this morning. I pray that God, that you would bless our people, protect them as they go throughout their day, provide what they need. Would you heal those who are sick uh, during these times? God, we continue to remember those who are uh, suffering with this virus. Um, God, would you pr protect us from getting it? Would you protect us from spreading it? And would you protect those who are impacted by it? Would you protect those who are impacted by the implications of it? Uh, but more than all, uh, as one of my friend Paul said this morning, uh, you, Father, are on your throne, 
and we will trust you in the midst of all this. So we love you and we praise you in your son's name. Amen. All right, I'll see you guys later. Thank you. You have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.